0: Hello and welcome back. This is the Rooted Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Panetta. We're here in studio downtown Salem, Oregon. Co host is here, Salam Noor, and we have a very special guest today that I'll introduce momentarily. But before I do, I always like to give a little plug of what it is that we're doing and why we're doing it. Uh, the Rooted Leadership Podcast is part of Groundwork a Leadership Institute here in Salem. And we started the Institute a couple of years ago, and the intent was to raise the tide of leadership and do our part. In, in, in creating and cultivating leadership uh, here in our community. Now, there's already great leaders, but we want to sustain great leaders for as long as we can. So that's why we're doing all of this. We really love it. It's a blessing. Uh, Salam. anything to add to that?
1: It is absolutely a blessing. And it's nice to be um, here with you, Chris, and our guest, Tom, of course.
0: Yeah, truly amazing. So we're going to get right to it. So Tom Hoffer is our guest today and uh on paper tom is the ceo of the chamber of commerce and but outside of that he's a friend of salamanaise and and we've known him for a while now and he's um a leader in our cohort right now in this year 2021 groundwork cohort uh and we're almost done actually we have about a month and a half left so we'd love to to pick your brain on your experience there but first let's just start off with you introducing yourself beyond what you do i mean tell us about more about what you do, but also who you are.
2: Sure. Well, thank you, gentlemen, both for having me on this, and it's great to always be around a table with leaders who care deeply for the communities we live in. And I have the opportunity to serve as CEO of the Salem Area Chamber of Commerce. We are a local C five hundred one C six nonprofit. We represent about just under just over a thousand local businesses. Those are large, small, from your uh, quick. Wh- Part-time workers all the way up to our largest employers in town like T-Mobile, Salem Health, large infrastructure. And our organization is the only organization tasked with the economic security within our community. At the Salem Chamber, we believe in helping businesses prosper so our entire community may thrive. And the small business community needs a voice. And we're very proud to serve that voice. Uh, Our organization is squarely focused on workforce development building, like you at Mountain West, uh, building our great future leaders in this community and making sure the economic foundation in Salem is strong. We realize that without a solid business community, you do not have the philanthropic gifts. You do not have public service, board service, little league coaches and the like. So strong business community on solid financial ground with people receiving paychecks. That is the name of our work. Love it.
0: Yeah, thanks for that that overview. Um, and chambers all over. I know, you know, every chamber is a little different, but all serve similar purposes. And I I've grown to love the importance of a of a chamber in a community. So so thank you for for all that you do. Uh, tell us a little bit more about you know who you are though. What do you what do you you know what do you love to do? I know you love lacrosse. Tell us about
2: that. Tell us anything else that kind of makes you you. Well, sure. Uh, I am the product of two educators. Uh, both my parents retired teachers here locally in the Salem community. So I grew up with a very firm belief system on the importance of education and building young people uh, to be individuals who will thrive in any environment they're in uh, when they get into adulthood. Um, my myself, our organization, myself as a leader, I look at our community and I want to see. Young people look at Salem as a place they wish to live. And if they decide to depart our community, that they are going to thrive wherever they find themselves. Um, I believe very uh, early on in the importance of becoming part of uh, the workforce. And so I was picking berries early as a kid. And uh, like many people did in the Willamette Valley when we were younger, before we could be employed. Um, officially in Oregon. And then on my 16th birthday, I was proud to be hired by a local uh, grocery store company here, started bagging and working my way up. Uh, But my grandfather always owned a small business in downtown Salem. And probably the dearest times I spent was working on behalf of, of my grandfather and seeing what a local company can do to create great things in our community. My grandfather served on the Junior Chamber Board, and I was very fortunate to see, uh, you know, really two different worlds. I had parents who were educators, and so very firmly tied into the education system and developing young people. And then I had uh, two grandfathers that were entrepreneurs, and being able to see their work ethic and what it meant to uh, create paychecks for people and the opportunities in the for for profit sector was was really uh, powerful for me growing up. Had the opportunity to go to school locally, uh, not too far out of Salem, and uh, graduate undergrad at Western Oregon, and then began an internship at the Salem Chamber. Believe it or not, almost 25 years ago. So, uh, interned at the Salem Chamber first, and then uh, I was in the middle of interviewing with uh, actually Nike. Uh, pretty pretty fun, and had gotten pretty far in that process when. Uh, my, my uh the leader of the chamber at the time tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, how would you like to go to work for half the amount of money and work twice as much right here in Salem? And I said, who who wouldn't do that? And so I <laughs> went to work for a gentleman named Mike McLaren and uh, had the opportunity to work for the Salem chamber for seven years in the public policy space, and then eventually moved on to 15 years uh, in the private sector in a large uh, national food manufacturing company. And then just a short, uh, just under three years ago, short three years, it's gone by very quickly. Had the opportunity to be asked back to come in and head up this organization do so with great pride and have uh, 11 incredible employees doing very, very special things in the Salem community. Yeah.
0: So what is, uh, all of that experience? Um, you know, how has it helped kind of build your leadership to, to do what you're doing
2: now? Well, I think seeing people deeply. Meeting them where they're at. Um, I look at a lot of the topics we talk about throughout the grain uh, groundwork format is really being personal with people and understanding what the needs are of those that you're serving. And for me, the small business community uh, is a group of individuals who have very limited time. Uh, We want them to spend time with their families when they're not working and the like, and so. From a leadership perspective, Chris, it's important for me to see that uh, not everybody is capable of handling all their own needs. And so partnering uh, with individuals, leaders, and organizations which can help advance uh, themselves as individuals to have a better tomorrow than they had today is very important. And so for me, leadership is about partnership. It's about finding the common ground and focusing on that common ground. No matter who you deal with, um, and, I, and we look at it, it's just an incredibly polarized world over politics and the like, 90% of two people facing each other can can agree, and people can agree on 90% of things, but it's the 10% that really splits us apart. And if we look and turn our, 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 our face forward and, they, and ask them to do the same, let's focus on that 90% and get the community benefits and, and growth pattern we need for a healthy community out of that 90%. 10% we may not come to the table on together, but let's focus on the 90% that's really going to advance the work that we need to do within our communities. Yeah.
0: I appreciate um you sharing that and, and it reminded me of something I wanted to get into. Love to hear your thoughts on on your experience and groundwork before we move on. But and I know we want to we want to talk to you about maybe how you've been applying some of those principles, but you highlighted something that I want to, to talk about, um, you know, later on in the episode, which is the interplay between, you know, what, you know, as a leader and, and versus what you learn and how do you kind of, you know, marry those two consistently. Cause I know just knowing you, I know that you are always going to learn and that you're always looking to, to better yourself. And so what's the interplay between, um, what you know and, 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 and what you're currently learning. Uh, So, but before we get into that, tell us about your uh, your experience so far this year. I mean, we're literally in month eleven, which is our technically our last month because next month we have our little graduation banquet and whatnot. So, how has the year been? It's been, you know, it's been a the second year of COVID that's had definitely impacted our our experience. Uh, But tell us about you know your experience just being a leader in that room of people. Um, your thoughts on what we've discussed, the relationships that have formed, the potential that all of this has, um, take that any any direction you'd like. Just we're curious in, in hearing from you.
2: I'd take it back to uh, the first meeting. Actually, I'm going to even take it back a step before that. When I first uh, was informed about Groundwork, it was actually through Salam and mentioned that there is a course going on where the brightest... And most engaged community leaders are going through a leadership class. And I'm a competitive guy. I got to admit, I was like, how did I miss the boat on, on year one? And uh, as a leader, we want to be on the front line with our peers so we can link arms. Um, my staff would probably say ad nauseum. We don't walk in front of people. We don't push them from behind. We walk side by side, arms interlinked. And. So when I found out that groundwork was going on and there was a cohort going through right there, I was instantly uh attracted. I wanted to know more. Uh, I wanted to know who. And so that takes me to our first occasion gathering together. And I got to admit I was I'm a pretty social guy. I don't I don't have many social anxieties. I love to meet new people love to learn about people's passions, Uh, lifetime learner, uh, not just in from an educational standpoint and a personal investment standpoint, but really learn about the people that we're associating with and and asked to partner with in this community. I walked into that room and I'm like, I hardly know anyone. And it really took me a moment, you know, as I'm scanning. And I admit uh, in the days prior, I, of course, looked at the roster and said, okay, I get to meet these people. And I was invited to watch the graduation of the previous class. The new class was invited in and I noticed, boy, there weren't that many people on that group that were there watching. Okay. Well, how do I ingratiate myself to a group of what is obviously key community leaders that are going to be around the table that I'm going to be partnering with for the next year. Mm -hmm. And there, right there was my first trip up that most people will make that mistake. This isn't a year process. This is now a lifetime of my partners in this community so long as they are here and I am here and God willing we have the health to be here for quite some time to have a positive influence. I was really intimidated because I didn't know that many people and you know, my friends are like, oh, Tom knows everyone. And then I looked around at this room (laughs) and here's 30 individuals, who I aspire to be like, and, and have the best parts of them, I hope I can deploy within my within my company and my sphere of influence. And so I, it just took a, a little bit of breath away to go, wow, I really need to get better connected than I am, because maybe I'm just too close to home within the business community. I love that feeling, I love that challenge, and, and then I just really threw on my, my ears and tried to understand the why behind uh, the people who are there. And I thought that initial stage of getting out of our community for the listeners, um, know that the first, uh, part of groundwork was done outside of our community. We took, uh, an hour and a half drive, uh, to a coastal community and really, uh, cell phones off, uh, comfortable clothes, nice glass of coffee in front of you. And, and let's take a first step together. And uh, just getting to know and see the type of leaders that are around that table, the, the diversity of organizations they represented. I went into, uh, not to go into the outward mindset, but I kind of went into my own box. I, I mm-hmm. started to say, well, there's only four people from the business community here. Boy, Salam, you're underrepresented from an important <laughs> group, right? We're in the, we're, I'm in the box. <laughs> And uh, it was just uh, incredibly refreshing for me to get to learn who those individuals are, the bandwidth they have, but most importantly, the commitment that every person in that room already had before walking in to make sure that our community was going to be better in the future than it was the day before we walked in. That is a powerful group to work with. And so it's been very transformational for me to hear not just from the leaders that you bring in front of us and you you gentlemen have done an incredible job and, and your team just brings in great people and exciting topics that are relevant and make you really think, but to learn from the individuals in that room and their aspirational goals for our community and realize, boy, we are a lot closer to wanting special things for our community of Salem uh, than maybe I might've known. And uh, the interdependence we all have in each other. Uh, There are a lot of nonprofit, government, education, business, and advocacy in that room. And uh, again, that 90% that we can all link arms on and drive for greatest success. So for me, the groundwork really was pivotal right at the start. And it was a mindset change to let's not just meet people. Let's listen and let's see how close we are to the same thing. And then it became when you're comfortable in that space and you did very intentional uh, uh, strategies to network and get people comfortable with each other. Now that we're all comfortable together and we believe in the same things, let's start to learn together. And so the rooted framework um, and talking about seeds and cultivation and weeds and how we water and then we de weed. And sometimes we have to realize weeds are gonna be everywhere no matter what and how do we navigate them. Um, Learning the framework and then how to apply it has been very exciting over a series of months. And quite honestly, it's it's hard for me to realize I'm coming to the end. And uh, you become really personally vested in the process and you start to think about, well, how am I going to stay connected with these people long-term? And I know that uh, under the framework you've created, there are opportunities to do that. And I think Chris will talk on later, you know, what it means as a community who's gone through this process to stay committed. And then when the time is there, we're going to, we're going to answer the call and, and there will be that moment that we need to come together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'd like to talk about that if if you don't mind. And um, and Tom, I really appreciate um, just the the passion that you have for our community. And um, quite often, when people work almost exclusively in a business setting, private setting, uh, people don't think that they um, are thinking about the community. But that is something that you cultivate. Uh Every time you cultivate with intentionality, and I really appreciate mm-hmm. that, and I admire you for it because every time you talk about uh the chamber, the business, the business leader, small business, large business, et cetera, you always bring it back to this idea of we are a community, we want to grow a com- grow community and have a better community and um a livable community, of course. I'm curious about and you've touched on this a few times in our sessions, the the monthly sessions. I'm serious about where you, I'm curious about where you see the potential for groundwork, let's say as as a framework to addressing community challenges and community issues moving forward. and I know in the chamber there are some specific issues that you work on with a lot of focus and intentionality and these are big wicked problems that are hard to solve. Do you see potential for these individuals that go through this experience to be really instrumental in solving big community problems? Because the whole goal of being rooted in is community transformation. That's really the ultimate purpose of going through this experience together is to transform our community for the better. So could you could you apply that or talk about it relative to some challenges that your you and the chamber perhaps are addressing in our community? Yeah. It,
2: when we look at an ecosystem, uh there are producers and there are consumers in every ecosystem. And one of the challenges that we faced over a number of years is those uh that, that pull from the ecosystem have outnumbered the producers in the ecosystem. And so leaders are the funnel that comes in to create what i call multiplier effects and the way that we touch individuals you may have a single interaction with a young person that allows them to think i could be like them later so i want to be a leader like them i aspire to be like them i aspire to be a small business owner i aspire to be a teacher Imagine the multiplier effect if every time us as leaders who have gone through groundwork could bring one or two more people uh, into a vernacular, into a learned construct uh, that helps create healthier workforces. And so for me, the groundwork application is learning some very key and impactful leadership theory that then we bring into our organization and deploy within our group of 12 individuals. And then we start to have additional partners around our, our our neighborhood here in Salem, our city in Salem, who have gone through a similar construct. So imagine the day if you have 25 going through the first year class, and now we're gonna have a second class at about 25 people, and we start to look in a third and a fourth and a fifth year. So my analytical numbers mind immediately goes to, multiplying returns. So imagine how many people as the further we get in this process now are speaking the same language, have the same uh, constructs within their organizations. And what could we accomplish if we've shared this and we as leaders who have gone through the course now are exposing our staff leadership teams to this type of construct? Imagine the number of voices we could call together at a key pivotal moment in either a city or or our state's history. When we look at uh, the last time I saw a concrete example of this in Salem, Salem, Oregon, is no meth, not in our neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Everybody came to the table. You had the education piece, you had your nonprofits, you had government, and everybody came together under a single vision of let's remove this incredibly detrimental drug that is proliferated across our community, let's try and take very intentional steps to remove that. We are going to face that next opportunity in this community. And I would argue there are opportunities right now, Mm -hmm. and we're building the critical mass of the groundwork framework. And, I mean, we all wish we could send 300 people a year through groundwork. And, And it doesn't have the ability to do that necessarily yet in Salem. But we need to pick up bricks. I I suggest to people, if we picked up one brick at a time and you lay it in a circle, it doesn't take too long for you to start to see the constructs of a nice fire pit. But if you only looked at the one brick you're picking up, Mm -hmm. it could be pretty deflating and look Mm -hmm. like, boy, how am I going to get this done? 25 individual bricks got put around the first fire pit. And now we're going to deliver another 25. And pretty soon you're going to have a structure that is built mm-hmm. tightly that can contain a fire for a community to create a major change. Whether that ends up being you know, our, our friends and neighbors on the streets, those uh, without homes or whatever that next thing is, we are building a fireplace that people are going to be proud of. Uh, that people are unified and understand a construct so we can speak in terms that are going to unite people rather than push people away. And and it's really driven by a great structure Mm -hmm. and understanding. And so 25 people is soon going to be 50. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to not have those great opportunities each month, but I'm going to think of ways to be active. And I hope the other 49 people in that space are doing the exact same thing because the 25 people that are going to go through starting next January are going to depend on us to continue to keep the hearth warm Mm -hmm. and know that we need their bricks because this is going to be a big fire when we roll it
1: out. Yeah. Yeah. I love the analogy. I love the bricks analogy.
0: Yeah. I think that um, that's our way of uh, at at groundwork in Mountain West for that matter of of cultivating the soil in our community and, 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 uh, doing our, our part and creating the conditions for transformational change. Um, you know, that was really the, the I said at the beginning to, to raise the tide of leadership in our community, but that's really the, the core of it is how can we, um, do our part in, in, in creating the conditions for change to happen, uh, and use the resources that we've been, we've been blessed with. Uh, you said something that I think it goes along the same lines of the conversation, but you talked about people coming together, learning a framework, and then sharing a common language. Uh, we were talking about this pre-recording a little bit, but I would love to get your thoughts on, on the idea. And this goes to my larger question of the, the interplay between what you know and what you're learning. But you know, we're introducing new ideas, but they're not that new. They're just a different way of thinking about certain things. Um, we introduce a framework that I really just see as a sense maker and an organizer it, 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 to some degree, because what we never do is we never want anybody to think that that one that we have some sort of secret to that, that's, that's the fix end- all fix all because it's not that. and we don't ever want anybody to think that um, the way that they do things uh, you know doesn't no, long, no longer matters. Like we don't ask people to say, "Hey, forget all of your leadership theory." we're going to teach you the best thing ever. I mean, that's not, that's not our pitch at all. In fact, we just hope that it adds to it and and reinforces what they already know. And so talk to us about that, that experience and, and perhaps why a simple language and a framework can, can be that part of that power that unites people. Because we have a lot of great people now, but the common thing that all of us have seen is people come to the table to solve a problem and they all have their own way of solving it. And they argue a lot over that ten percent, even though they're agreeing on they should be agreeing on the ninety percent. They spend their time arguing or sharing their own perspective on on why the problem exists and how to fix it. Uh, and our hope with the rooted framework is that people can quickly get on the same page and know where they can focus, where they need to focus their energy and their their efforts.
2: I if if you're okay, that I'll take a little different look at that. I what's so important to me, Chris, is how. The water has to get to all parts of the field. So within the framework, uh, you learn about how to cultivate the soil. Mm -hmm. You learn about the seeds of innovation and ideas, the safety of failure, the safety of allowing others to be the champion. But a key takeaway that I think all those leaders who have gone through and certainly the leaders that will come is the importance of water and making sure we are taking care of the entire field. All of our organizations are tasked with being incredibly inclusive. Um, the workforce is changing and, and the workforce dynamic, I've related a ton of this to my, how I work with generational. So I, I'm in this middle of what I would call the middle of a work, workforce spectrum imagine at 18 you make a choice whether you go to school or enter the workforce you get into your 20s and it's very aspirational you want you kind of see the future you know it's years off of where you want to be but you start your course and then you get into your 30s and maybe you think you're you're where you want to be but you still have an end goal i'm in that weird section where i'm in my mid 40s i literally have my dream job uh, i stepped away from a career that probably could have taken me to a lot of different things financially that uh, I ultimately decide weren't going to fill my personal passion bucket. And so when you're in the middle of that, you have young employees, you have employees who are on the other end of the spectrum. And let's go far to say we have employees around us each day who are like, hey, I only have two years left and then I retire. So how do you as a leader speak to all those individuals? And the key is Watering all parts of the field. So, everybody has the cultivation opportunities that they'd like to see in their personal development and their career development. But it's that higher, the framework creates such a clear understanding of the higher good is the or- organizational health. Whatever that organization you're in, nonprofit, for profit, education, is how do we drive individuals to see their potential? to become greater and create a greater impact, the multiplier effect within our, within our organizations. And I think that is where the framework is very helpful for all leaders to look at is, hey, you've learned some great tactics now, and you've heard from some very special people who have come into our community and given their time and talents. Now it's incumbent in that ownership piece And one of the things I speak often about is we've been given an incredible gift to go through groundwork. Now we own that and it is our duty to take that type of thought process forward to our workforce and those that we influence. It's a very different conversation when I have uh, one of my peers who I've gone through groundwork with or a previous class. We just speak differently. (laughs) We've talked. That's not necessarily a good thing. That means we need to be sharing this with more and more people. And I love the excitement that was generated in the next class and the next class. And I hope to see that trajectory increase because the more people we have believing that internally in key leadership spots in our city, it's just going to the multiplier effect within our organizations. And eventually you look at an ecosystem that is largely filled with those who have gone through groundwork. That is a much healthier place to have very dynamic,
1: complex, and oftentimes challenging community yeah. discussions. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tom, I'm, I'm curious, and I don't want to put you on the spot here, but I really would love with your experience, extensive experience in the different roles and organizations that you've worked in, and, and you strike me as a very practical and pragmatic leader, um, I want to ask you about some big challenge the Chamber is working on right now. And how you, how you would see this framework potentially applying to that issue or that challenge. You know, the typical one we go to is homelessness, but there may be some other issues. I think it, it would be beneficial for other leaders um, that go through a lot of leadership training and, you know, that is customized or specialized to their sector or profession to have the benefit of your reflection on how could this be helpful To either the Salem Chamber or a community solve a problem, and I know you guys deal with real problems every day.
2: Well, it's leadership theory, Um, and for me, the one of the biggest pullouts, takeaways from the ground groundwork course and the rooted framework is purpose over policy. And um, we look at our organization as a major challenge we have. Salem is the the need for small businesses who have access to resources um, during a pandemic. And I understand that this will be a dated conversation, this piece, because over time uh, people will be quick to forget what we have gone through as a community during the pandemic. Um, We've had arguments over wearing masks, vaccinations. Um, We have people who have buried loved ones, um, but we have had, severe casualties in small businesses that just have flat out not survived during a pandemic. And probably one of the most troubling issues, we have businesses falsely propped up due to some federal financing and, and different grant funds. So our organization, one of those key things we've taken on is how do we assist businesses with resources, but also help them map a, a healthier future, which means innovation. And when we talk about seeds, that is innovation and, and ideas. Um, no business before the pandemic looks the same as it does now. True. You don't walk in one storefront that you do not see, um, some need for, for either social distancing, depending on the state you live in, wearing a mask, Uh, vaccination status and the like. And so for us as an organization, uh, the seeds, and that is innovation has been heavily spoken about. Businesses need to capitalize and take this opportunity to look at how will they be most relevant in the next three to five years at a time when they are fighting for survival. We often speak uh, in terms of youth. Imagine sending a kid, a young person to the classroom when they have not slept or had a meal the night prior and then yet we expect them to learn and assimilate and, and become um, thought-oriented to uh, learn whatever different lesson that we have in front of them. And yet the very basic needs at home is, is not being met by maybe by a meal or, or a pill to sleep on. I would say similarly with small businesses, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And they are worrying about making payroll next week. Mm -hmm. And yet they need to be also thinking about how will my business evolve successfully so I can be relevant in three to five years, not knowing what that landscape is. We all wish we could just snap our fingers and have the pandemic over. We wish we could be uh, not facing any sort of recession or inflation. But the reality is the only constant is change. And that is so cliche. But an organization like ours is very much in trying to find resources to help our small businesses get through the pandemic, uh, to plant the seeds so that the harvest occurs in a few years down the line when we're hopefully out of uh, the current situation we're in with the pandemic. But the small business owner is still relevant and employing people and, and creating the paychecks that our community is so dependent on.
0: Yeah, it's... uh. It's kind of like uh, Salam and I, we had a meeting with some leaders last week and we use this. The, the, you know, we were just going off of the analogy, the rooted analogy, soil, seeds, and weeds. But it's kind of like uh, the pandemic has been a, a drought, you know. And how do you, how do you cultivate your soil, get water to all parts of your soil when there's a drought going on, you know, an uncontrollable drought, right? Nobody can control um, uh, the pandemic and, and a lot of the implications that have come from it. So it's kind of like, you know, we faced a, we've been in a drought and how do you, how do you cultivate soil, get the best seeds, do all of those things when there's a drought going on.
2: But if not us, who we have to be able mm-hmm. to look at our own organizations, our own business, our, our whatever service we're doing in this world and go, yes, we are. The fact is we are in a time of drought, mm-hmm. but when you come to a fork in the road, take it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and that quote always draws a giggle, but you have to make a conscious choice to either recede and, and you're going to let the flower and and the seed die, Mm -hmm. or you're going to cultivate and you're going to water and you're going to find innovation to make sure tomorrow has the opportunity to be Mm -hmm. better than today. But it's not easy and it's a mindset.
0: Yeah. And, and you can't, I mean, like you said, there's, we can't just give up. I mean. Like you mentioned the the, you know, the kid that might not have something at home the businesses that can't make payroll i mean people's livelihood and lives are actually you know on the on the line in a lot of cases now so um we have to do something at the fork in the road we can't just sit there um so i appreciate you you sharing that and i you know i'm, I'm curious to ask this question because we've been talking a lot about uh groundwork specifically in our community um i'm curious on you know, if I'm a, a leader, let's say in Des Moines, Iowa, or some large city, San Antonio, or some random, you know, town on the East Coast, or wherever the case is, and I'm listening to this, I mean, what what do I need to hear? Because I don't have, maybe I don't have gra- something like groundwork in our community, or maybe our community's small. Maybe I, I don't have somebody with great resources that's sharing them. Maybe we don't have forums for our community to come together. I mean, what what can they take from this? That's going to impact their or, their own organization and ultimately their community. I mean, what's relevant for them?
2: Well, there's incredible resources, and uh, I'm sure at the end of this this broadcast, this podcast, you'll you'll give those resources on where people can access for tools on leadership. I I think one of the keys that any leader, no matter what community they're in, is is having a mindset where you are bringing people together. I often say, and and this is um, from Mike McLaren, a a gentleman who is an incredible leader in our community. People will never remember the way, uh, uh, pardon me, people will never remember what you told them or instructed them to do, but they will always remember how they felt around you. And so if you wanna create a multiplier effect, no matter what community you're in, be somebody who creates aspirational change. And when you look at aspirational change, You have to understand what that truly means within you. You don't have to be the head of a large organization to create very special change in the lives of those that you're around. And it can be as small as your best friend, a spouse, a partner, or your family, or it can be a large organizational change. Make sure to link arms with those who understand A a thought process that wants a better community tomorrow than we are today and are willing to take the incremental steps to get there. It is not okay to say, I want all this to happen. Now you go do it. That is false leadership. We need to lead by example and by setting the stage for other individuals to have the opportunity to go flourish by empowering others to do greater things that they've done. Take risks with people. Mm-hmm. What, what a perfect time. You want to talk about a time of drought and the pandemic? Here's my quote to every young person. Shoot your shot. We have people applying for jobs that they would have never been qualified for. But because they have the right attitude, they know how to be on time, and they're willing to go learn something new, this is the time. I mean, you look at all the job circulation we've had. I would say there's been a very healthy aspect of the pandemic. People Mm -hmm. are getting into fields they want to be in more than ever before in our history because the opportunities are there. Those that needed the easy way out or, God forbid, uh, had to exit the ecosystem due to health reasons have now migrated. And now we have opportunities for new leaders to come in within organizations and within communities. Who are committed to helping drive a larger community success that is very tough to criticize, even in a social media world where everyone's an expert and we can say shame on you, shame on this, etc. It is hard to be critical of someone who wants to do something new or better than they've had the opportunity to do before
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah i just I'm curious about um but something that that you mentioned, Tom, and and that is um, opportunities. Let's say that that young people and and my son actually is exploring opportunities that he probably would not have considered before, and I'm just delighted to see him putting himself out there. And you know, he he's applying for a lot of different jobs, and and he's exploring that space. You know, he's not afraid to explore that space, and that has been uh, perhaps an upside of of the pandemic. What I'm curious about, from a leadership perspective, because you talk a lot about the importance of how we show up as leaders, the roles that we play in in our leadership responsibility, if you will. So, as a as as a chamber CEO, um, and going back to the framework when we talk about soil, seeds, and weeds, you probably encounter a lot of weeds, and you alluded to this in terms of the, 90%, the 90 percent, the 90-10. If we spend most of our time focusing on the 90. 90- percent of things that we agree on we can solve any problems but i'm curious how the framework perhaps um now that you've gone through it uh can serve as a lens relative to some of the weeds that you encounter and and for the purpose of you know the framework weeds are conflict barriers challenges because you encounter a lot and they're multidimensional you know there is state federal local you name it so I'd I'd be curious to get your thoughts on that.
2: Yeah, well, this and this was certainly a leadership principle I held before groundwork, but groundwork only uh, affirmed it. And with a heavy hammer and nail is run to conflict. Um, Avoidance is not an option. And there are strategies to deal with weeds and there are strategies to address challenges. What is not a strategy is avoidance and what is not a strategy is is a heavy-handed approach to this way or or the highway or this way or else, and I think the strategic principles there um, of having people involved in problem solving, um, really being able to uh, clearly see the longer game of hey, what is the purpose? How can we get there? And what are we going to face along the way? So often we want to jump into the deep end of the pool. And because we're leaders, right? We're comfortable. We will go jump in to where it's hot and heaviest, uh, but we maybe haven't done all the preparation to cultivate our field and and to make sure the seeds are ready to be planted. And um, I really think it's important to have some strategies to think of how you deal with weeds and and the personalities that come in, in that space. And I think Groundwork is an incredible example of a leadership program that teaches us as individuals some of the ways to navigate through the weeds that we're going to face. Every community leader, organizational leader, each individual at home is going to face weeds on a daily basis. You have to be comfortable that weeds are going to be around you. What there needs to be and uncomfortableness is that it's okay to just allow weeds to flourish rather than allowing the organism, the healthy organism, and allowing the fruit to come forward and not be hindered uh, by whether it's the emotional draw or, or the time draw of what the weeds represent and are.
0: Yeah, um, you know, and you mentioned earlier that the pandemic, both of you mentioned that the pandemic has been uh, something that, that there's some positives that have come from it. And I would argue, I would bring up the term trans, transformational, right? Because transformation happens, uh, when we take something that can seemingly be destructive or negative and we turn it into something that's constructive and positive, which is the essence really of our weed section is that we can take conflict, which most of us have a narrative that it's a, a negative destructive thing. Um, you know, Stanford did a study a few years back where that's the number one thing CEOs uh, lack in, in in terms of skills is conflict resolution skills. Um, large at large, people are afraid of conflict. We either fight it or we run from it. And uh, and so, yeah, we we definitely address this idea that conflict's always going to be there and that weeds are always going to be there. And it's what we do with it that makes it transformative. And I think that's where the rubber meets the road with our curriculum because we talk a lot about <laughs> seeds and innovation. Everybody talks about that. Everybody's always trying to, to think of new ideas. Whether they do it well or not is, is a different story, but we're always thinking of something new. <laughs> Let's do this. Let's try this. Let's do this. Uh, I would say that we don't often think of cultivation, um, but Salam and I have adopted this saying throughout this year that you know our weeds and our seeds are the gateway to understanding our soil. You know, we get to our soil by by our seeds, right? Uh, that's when we first see the health of our soil. Well, why is this idea not working? What makes this one successful? It always brings us back to our soil. Well, the soil was healthy, that's why that seed worked really well. And the same thing with our weeds. Why do some weeds get out of control and escalate and take over? Well, it's because the soil is not very healthy, and the roots are the, those roots of those weeds are deep. Uh, and so, I love that idea that. The weeds and the seeds take us you know it's a gateway to our soil and in 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 more real terms you know our our conflict is gonna bring us right back to to our people and have we done a good job at building those relationships like you've talked about so much here of multiplying uh and and same thing with our seeds the innovation um it's gonna bring us back to our people are our people ready are they prepared for change um are they do they feel safe enough to share certain you know to share the ideas that they have? Um, so I think you're, you're touching on a really important point and Salam, I'm glad you brought it up around conflict because we don't have transformation without conflict and it would be silly to try to run from it and ignore it. We have to embrace it, um, uh, because it's going to always be there (laughs) and it's what we do with it. And that's the saying that we have, you know, in the framework is, is what we do with
2: it. That, that matters. Well, you talk also, Chris, though, I mean, let's also remember that those very same weeds, also create the restraints that drive innovation. Mm-hmm. And so in many ways, I, I don't look at conflict as, as a negative, and that helps with mindset. And, and you certainly the groundwork addresses that, but there are many benefits from that, that conflict and, in creating uh, an understanding and where we need to go and actually really honing the group, the group think forward in a mm-hmm. way that has become more manageable yeah, Yeah. because you can look at some of these huge topics and go, well, here are all the reasons this can't work. It actually drives you towards the middle of the river.
1: Right, right. I kind of want to bring that back to the context that you operate in because you're in the center of, I don't want to call it conflict, but it's probably constant negotiation between a small business and a medium-sized business, a large business. Every business is trying to cultivate its own interests, let's say goals and priorities, but you have a really um enormous task of cultivating common soil, so to speak, and you talk about the community so where where do you derive what influences have um have you had that get you to think about it? I mean, you talked about your um um grandparents
2: mm-hmm.
1: your grandparents. Um I've heard you talk about lacrosse. I think lacrosse is a, probably a lens that you look at things. I mean, I'm I, I'm a soccer guy. I look at the world sometimes through soccer. And um uh, Chris looks at the world through being a goalkeeper. So, <laughs> and more, of course. But um I'm I'm kind of curious about how you stitch all of this together to cultivate soil. Because you know, the the small business operator has Perhaps the same challenges that a large entity has in our community, but it's a lot more daunting perhaps for them than the large, the large entity. So, how do you cultivate this common soil and where do you get your why? Because you speak to it with such authenticity and, and such power. I, I, I'm really curious to know where do you get your why for this? Well, for me, it is
2: very deep. Um, I was fortunate to. And, and this is not unique to someone who grew up here, but there are some very special parts about having grown up in this community and then uh, been gone for a bit of my adult life and then coming back. Um, I was very fortunate to travel all a, a lot of, all of the United States, all of Canada and Mexico and then in parts of the world in my professional career at one point. But there is something very powerful of being, of, of calling a place your home. And, and Salem is my home and it's a place that, uh, the why for me is making sure other people have the opportunity to feel as if Salem is a welcoming, uh, powerful place for them to have opportunity. And that opportunity is a very interesting word. Opportunity can mean very different things to many people. Um, it could be wealth building, it could be security, it could be a home, could be a second home. It could be um, a job, a, f- a family, relationships, and the like. But whatever opportunity means to you, it's very personal for me that Salem would have that be a possibility. Um, how how I look at the how I apply that in our organization is we are um, balancing a lot of very uh, sometimes loud personalities. Uh, Individuals have very concrete needs in business, and we can be a excellent uh, navigator of individual business needs. But when we look at the health of our organization, we cannot be the extremes of our community. Uh, We stand for a healthy and thriving economic foundation in our city. And that means individuals who apply their crafts here and believe Salem has a place in that economic ecosystem for them either to have their business based here or for them to do business in our community. For me, the, the understanding of my duties in that is to make sure all people are heard and that they have a place they feel comfortable sharing their ideas, but it is not necessarily to guide them to water but rather put them in a spot where they can be around peers, share thoughts and have the idea exchange that may either assist our whole community in moving forward or connecting them with like minds for the things that they're passionate about. So becoming the the premier convener of influencers is really what our organization is tasked with doing. Uh, That is not to say we do not deliver very clear messages on how we feel uh, the city and the county and the state should operate uh, on behalf of uh, small businesses to allow for strong economy to exist. But sometimes it's best to set the table and and make sure all the right guests are are in the room and then allow them to create the foundation of what they want to link together, link arms together in, and, and get their arms around. So uh, for me, the why is making sure our community uh, is in a healthier place that people Uh, have opportunities because the windshield is much bigger uh, than the rear view mirror. And I appreciate those who want to refer always to the past and how it should be or how it used to be. But the reality is our world is changing each and every day. And we need to look at how each of us as leaders can play in that ecosystem to make sure we're creating better opportunities for those around us tomorrow. Thank you.
0: Yeah. Um, we just have a few minutes left and I want to recap because I think we've, we've covered quite a bit today. Um, but it seems that we've had a, a theme and I thank you, Tom, for being the, the, uh, the conduit for us having this conversation of, of around community. I feel like community has been a big conversation. We've talked about multiplying. We've talked about bringing people together. Um, and our, our way, you know, being all connected at this table through something like groundwork or Mountain West is obviously to do that through groundwork in this framework but but any community can come together in a variety of different ways, and I feel like we've we've touched on that we've talked about how we can take something uh that is seemingly uh bad or negative and turn it into something that's positive um and I'll, you know t- to be honest, I think anybody could really sit back and feel like man, this is a lot to 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 take in you know. Um, there's a lot to to do in our world and in our communities, in our organizations, in our families, and it can be really overwhelming, to be honest. Uh, to do it all, which is one of the points of our framework, is to try to simplify that. But it it can be really overwhelming, and part of me, part of me has has felt that a little bit today. But as well as that, there's simple ways to start. Um, and you even said that you said I would start by just getting people together you know, cultivating those relationships. And I thought of uh, something as you were talking, a mentor of mine, uh, who's actually our guest next month. He'll be our speaker at the banquet, Jim Farrell. Um, he told me one time, and I, I probably shared this on another episode, but to me, this is what simplifies it all down to, down to the, the individual, a really simple change in how I see the world. Um, I, I, was, I can't remember what the conversation we were having. Him and I were driving one time to Park City in Utah to go to an event. And uh, uh, he said to me, he said, Chris, you know, there's two ways that we can live life. He said, the first way is that we can constantly be concerned about how, the, how other people see us. And that's usually manifested in defending threats to our image that we have of ourselves or looking for reinforcements of that image. And that could be a really overwhelming complicated, messy way to live, uh, because that's that's our whole intent, defending threats to our image or looking for reinforcements. Um, he said, that's one way we can live. And the other way is that we forget all of that and we just get lost in the needs of, of those around us. <laughs> uh, and I love that he said that because it really simplified so much for me, that there's two ways I can approach situations. One way, I'm looking for threats uh, and, and defending those threats to my ego and my image, or I'm looking for reinforcements of it. And I might even take that on organizationally. I'm defending threats to my organization or looking for reinforcements of my organization. I can even take that on community wide or, or an affiliation that I'm a part of, a political affiliation, etc. cetera. Um, or I can just forget all of that and get lost in the so many needs around us, some of the needs that we've talked about today. And I think that none of this change happens in our community until we have more individuals, starting with the one that start to think that way, to get lost in the needs that our community has, because that's that's where the focus needs to be. Um, and, and that's in, in the opportunities that you mentioned, um, and people feeling like they have opportunities to grow, to change, to improve their lives, whatever that is for them. Um, but uh, I've enjoyed the conversation. Um, and I feel like I feel like we've really highlighted our, our community and how amazing it is. I love that you're from here and that you that your why is rooted in where you're from and the sense of belonging. I feel like that's a really important thing. Uh, and I love that we've talked about our community. Um, and so I would invite anybody that's listening to really consider where you are and your community that you're a part of and what it means to you. Maybe, maybe you don't think about it that much. Maybe you don't think about what your community means to you, but I'll encourage you to think about that. I'll encourage you to think about what it means to bring people together in your sphere whether that's your family or organization or or your community uh and how that can start to create change um because i don't think change happens without it as we've all discussed today uh so uh want to provide any final thoughts for salam and then i would love to hear your kind of final thoughts here tom like if you have the you have the floor what's a you know couple of sentences that you would say to people paragraph boom here's here's what it is mm. So first salam. Let's finish with you, and then let's go to you, Tom.
1: Thank you, Chris. I and I love everything you said. You're you're absolutely right. This has been really exciting, energizing, and I'm just sorry it's going to come to an end here. <laughs> but perhaps there will be additional episodes down the road. Uh, a couple of thoughts that that have really stuck with me, uh, Tom, and and I love the fireplace or the fire pit mm-hmm. example of each of us. Just you know, brick by brick, we we eventually end up building that fire pit and i just again it resonates with me because it has that community aspect to it you know when you build a fire pit and you have a fire in it it, it radiates heat and and warmth and you speak about our community with that warmth and kindness and and care but it's just it it's what we can do together together we yeah. we generate that warmth can and,
0: can i add one thing to yes, that so you know the saying uh you know, fill my cup, you look for cup fillers. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember where I read it, but the, the quote was, we need to stop looking for what fills our cup and start looking for what lights the
2: fire. Right? Yeah.
0: So yeah. I had thought of that when you shared that analogy and I feel like you've been exuding that today uh, mm-hmm. of, of what lights your fire. Yeah. Um, and it's been, it's been inspiring. It's been really helpful. I think it's been a great contribution to, to not just our Institute throughout this whole year, but, but our podcast. And I, I love the, the brick by brick analogy, yeah, because yeah. what is the fire that mm-hmm, we're trying to mm-hmm. to build the the pit around? Because we're not looking for cup fillers, we're really looking for what's going to light the fire. Right, so right. Sorry to interrupt. No,
1: no, I I love that. That's great. Uh, the other piece is you know you you talk about the multiplier effect, and I think I really admire your intentionality. So it's not happening by accident or happenstance. There is purpose. There is intentionality, which is a true character of leadership in my opinion we have to we have the responsibility to cultivate leadership we have the responsibility to grow others and help others lead and it's all cultivation it's it, it is truly in in every sense it's about cultivating the soil and uh when when i think about the soil relative to our conversation today it is really our people i mean that's really clearly evident that it's the people whether they're in the chamber, in the community, in the various interactions and opportunities that you're in and the opportunities that you create, they are about people and for people. So I I thank you for being the leader that you are. And today has been an absolute uh, joy and a pleasure. And um, I hope we continue this conversation in the future sometime, perhaps with episode two. Part two, Tom Offer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, I, I would close, Chris and Salam. And first of all, thank you very much for this opportunity. Our organization um, is just in awe of the commitment that Mountain West Investments has made in our community. The commitment to send leaders through a leadership portal um, is an incredible gift. And uh, I am blessed to be surrounded by leaders in that room and the room prior. <laughs> And most certainly the the classes that will come after uh, in just very clear understanding of what an incredible gift that is and the talents that both of you as individuals and the team here uh, share with Salem. I would say this um, servant leadership is a calling and um, it is in most leaders. And those I would argue uh, for those who want to put me against somebody head to head that We are, as leaders, called to do something bigger than ourselves, and most people want to feel that inside them. And if you are listening to this and feeling like you are uh, a little ready to take, take that next step forward, I would suggest that one of the best first steps would be, what is your brand? What are you the champion of? Um, I would hope our community looks at at myself and the individuals that I'm sitting across from as champions for a healthy and connected community where people see opportunities to be greater tomorrow than they were today. Um, But I will also caution you that you don't get to take that hat off. I don't go to the grocery store and get to be different. Uh, So you need to walk the walk to model for those that you're around uh, that exact leadership principles that you deeply believe in. And if you find yourself not yet feeling like you are all the way committed, don't go halfway. There are so many resources for you to take first steps and uh, just dive into what it means to be a servant leader. Uh, There is no easier sleep at night, no matter where it finds you in this world, than knowing you helped the life of someone else be better uh tomorrow than it was today and uh, i think as leaders we want to be able to sleep each night like that that is not to say there are not days with many many challenges but if we are helping people be building better leaders tomorrow than we have in our community today we have done a great service uh, to the communities we live in and just taking that first step and being a servant leader is uh, incredibly important, and I think you will find it incredibly fulfilling in your lives. So, uh, be intentional, build better leaders, and most of all, be kind.
0: Thanks, Tom. Uh, love that. And uh, you know, you mentioned uh, we, we've been talking about the fire lit within us. Um, I just got to tell you that, uh, and and you you talked about specifically being part of something bigger than yourself, and and when I'm thinking of what we're trying to do in our community and, and our small pe- part of that, you're one of the people that I think of to, you know, if somebody wants to know about what we're trying to do and what that fire pit is that we're trying to build, go talk to Tom. You're probably the top of the list of somebody that I would uh, recommend to go and, and ask because I feel like you really capture it and you understand what it is that we're trying to create. Um, and I don't think that you can do that without seeing beyond yourself. And so I, I commend you for that and and admire that about you. Um, but that is uh, that's our episode today and it has been great. Uh, this has been a great one so hopefully you've you've had your your notebook out and taken some notes. Um, we appreciate any reoccurring listeners returning listeners thank you and any new listeners also you know welcome and thank you and please listen to some more of our episodes. Uh, you can always learn more about us on our website groundworkleadership.org. Uh, and learn about all of our alumni on there. You'll see, you know, Tom on there soon and you can learn about him and so many others as we continue to grow. Uh, But thanks for being with us today and until then, be safe and take care.